Uh, If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Mark, and we're going to be back again in chapter 5. And we began to look at this sermon series dealing with the value of, of place and how God places us in certain areas. And then we began to look at not just the value of place, but the value of people. And last week, the sermon really kind of went a different direction under the uh, guidance of the Holy Spirit than we were kind of originally planning. And so today, I want to circle back and I want to drill down some principles and put down a few stakes here in this passage of Scripture. Let me summarize for you a lot what happened. Uh, Jesus had just finished teaching his disciples about what it meant to evangelize, what it meant to do ministry, what it meant to do life. In, in the gospel, teaching them about faith. And uh, man, they had just uh, gone across this body of water. Uh, the winds and the waves came and they were beating against the side of the boat. And, and uh, Jesus was there and he was fast asleep. And somebody went and woke him up and, and he stepped out on the bow of the boat and he said, peace be still. And then they get to the other side and when they get there and their little fishing vessel, their little wind uh, water driven vessel approaches the land uh, there's a man in the cemetery. They, they uh, disembark uh, around the cemetery, and as they're getting off the boat, a man in the cemetery is there, and, uh, man, he is demon-possessed. We've looked at it with great detail the last week. Uh, the Bible comes, and he says, My name is Legion, because there were many demons inside of him. And, uh, man, we looked at how your life ends up in a place when others find no value in you. And that's what happened with this Gadarean demoniac. He had no value to the people around him. And so basically they banished him to the cemetery. And there he spent his time, the Bible says, in the tombs day and night. Matter of fact, he was in such pain and torment that the Bible says he would cut himself uh, trying to get relief. And and so Jesus comes and, and the demons... Uh, Ask him, what are you here for? Why are you here to torment us? The demon speaking through this man. And uh, they said, please don't make us leave this region. And so Jesus cast these uh, demons into this herd of swine. And we looked at that briefly last week. And when the, when the uh, swine were demon-possessed, the Bible says they ran 2,000 head of pigs, ran and jumped off the edge of a cliff, and they drowned. So we pick that up here today in verse 13 of the book of Matthew. So let's just look here for a few moments. And so it says that he gave them permission. The 2,000 went out and they rushed and they ran down the steep embankment and they drowned. Now in verse 14, when the men who tended to these pigs uh, ran off and reported in town and on the countryside everything that happened, all of a sudden they came to Jesus and they saw the man. Now look at this right here. When they came to Jesus, they saw, they looked upon the man who had been cutting himself, who had been uncontrollable, the man who had been out in the cemetery, the man who was banished, the man who had no value, that people just put him away in basically isolation. And, and not only did he have no value in himself but, uh, with other people, but he had no value in himself because, I mean, this man who was so strong that chains could not hold him back you could chain him up and he would pull him loose. He wasn't Houdini that could get out of him. He would just break him. He had that much power. He would break the chains and the cuffs and the shackles. He was that powerful because of the demonic spirits. But yet, he just stayed in the cemetery. Why? He found no value in himself. And then we saw last week that, but he found value in Jesus. And Jesus came there 
And when those people from the town came, they saw him sitting there in his right mind. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, things began to change. All of a sudden, everything took on a whole new direction and it took on a whole new meaning. And so I want to ask you this first question today. It's not one that we're going to poll. But my question is, what price would you be willing to pay to add value to something? What price would you be willing to pay to add value to something or someone? I remember when we were about to purchase our home on the street that we live on, I was talking to someone in the, the real estate business, and they, uh, we actually went to per we looked at this home, we loved it, and we were too late, and uh, it had been purchased uh, to be a group home. And I was speaking to someone in the real estate market, and uh, man, everybody was up in arms who lived on that street because there's going to be a group home on that street. And so, uh, you know, one of the people, the man I was talking to, the neighbors came to him, a few of them, and said, you've got to stop this from happening. We, 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 we can't have a group home on our street because it will devalue our real estate. A guy said, i tell you what we can do. i tell you how we can solve that real easily. He says, why don't we just all pitch in and buy the house? All the neighbors, let's just pitch in. We'll own the house. We can tear it down if we want to. We can make a green space or we can put whoever we want in it. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, I. Needless to say, there's a group home on our street. We ended up finding another house on that street, and we live about six houses down from this group home. What price are people willing to pay? Everybody gets up in arms because, you know, real estate is the big thing. It's the big thing. That's what, you know, my, I, don't wanna, I don't want my real estate to be devalued. So uh, you stop it. You do something about it. Let the city council do something about it. Let somebody else do something about it. Let me just complain about it. But I'm not going to do something about it. Talk about turning the tables on somebody. I mean, the guy looked at the, the, the guy that was in the real estate the guy. He looked at me and said, I'm willing to pitch in. I'm willing to pitch in. Are you? Oh, no. Put up my money? Make my, you want me to make a personal investment? And one of the reasons that we find ourselves in the condition that we're in in our nation is because the churches, in the name of Jesus, that gather every week are playing it so safe that they are unwilling to invest their greatest treasure in the cities and in the areas where they live to raise the value. How do you change a city? Not by building more restaurants and putting in new businesses. Not by attracting new investors. You attract all of that by changing the things that make up the city, which is the people. And can I tell you that our city, your city, whatever your zip code is, pick one. It needs you to make a personal investment. The question is, what price are you willing to pay? I mean, this couple on my street, they weren't willing to make the investment, and most churches aren't. Do you really think it's in our best interest to do undefeated ministry that we just prayed for earlier? Do you think it's really in our best interest 
to go out with a bus and pick up children that are, are, are training themselves, that are free-ranging many times. I mean, you wonder why they get to church and they're fist-fighting when you pick them up on the street. Matter of fact, just this week, we went and picked up a bunch of them. They were fighting even before they got on the bus. You can't be mad when they get to church and they're just doing what they already know to do. But the church has just basically said, well, the hell with that section. Just let them go. You say, I can't believe you said that. Yes, I said it. Because let's just sentence them all to hell. They're not worth the trouble. They're not worth the investment. One of the things that holds us back in exploding with numerical growth is whenever you bring these kind of people in. When you bring these kind of children in. How do you change an area? How do you change a zip code? By changing the makeup of the people who occupy the zip code. The question is, are we willing to make that investment? These people in Mark 5 wouldn't. Let's just send that dude out of the cemetery. It's not like there's a great price. So, you know, there's not a lot of great value in cemeteries. Let's just send him out there. We, just the people have to deal with him occasionally when they go out there for a funeral. You see, the thing about it is people leave neighborhoods because of the value some of the most bitter angry people that I have met while knocking on doors and walking down the streets of this city was not on Levin Street was not on Monroe was not on Lower Third was not on Willow Glen was not on Monsoor Drive but it was on streets where people feel like the neighborhood changed around them and they were trapped. I mean, some of the best cussings I ever got was by people who said they went to church somewhere. And when you knocked on their door and you began to try to engage them, they felt like they were trapped and they felt like they were, they were stuck and everything around them lost their value. I'll tell you why it lost value. Because we pulled the curtain shut. We deadbolted the door and we say, Even so, Lord Jesus, move my neighbors. See, people leave because of value, and they also stay because of value. I mean, if you find a real estate that has great value, people's not wanting to get rid of it. And the only reason they would get rid of it is because they found something of more value. Do you remember the story? I've got to hurry along here because I'm not even in my first point. But do you remember the story in the Bible of the pearl of great price? The man who found the treasure... And it was hidden in a field, and he went and sold all that he had to purchase the field because he knew in that field was a treasure. He knew in that field, and all of his neighbors thought they were crazy, but he knew in that field there was a pearl of great price. He knew there was a pearl of great price, so he sold all that he had and invested it to gain the treasure. I want you to understand something today, church. There's a pearl of great price on every street and every corner and every neighborhood and every home. There is a pearl of great price. They are a royal design created by the royal designer who who is the royal diadem of heaven. Oh my goodness, let me just preach a moment and say we've got to go look for some pearls. Question is, what price are you willing to pay to find that? That man said, I think there's a pearl there, and he went and sold everything he had to gain the field. Well, let me give you your first point here. When a Jew finds more values in a pig than in a man, 
Now let that settle in for a moment. When a Jew finds more value in a pig, an animal they cannot stand, than in a human being. I remember uh, as a boy, before crawfishing was a big industry, we were crawfishing in the rice fields and they weren't worth very much. And Oh, we hated those times of the year, dragging that P-Row through the mud and and uh, my dad had some friends, and they were Jews, and they come down one day to crawfish. And I'll never forget, they came down. As a boy, this left a lasting impression on me, and they were Orthodox Jews, and they came down, and they had a couple of big old things of pork steaks to go crawfishing with. Made sense. They couldn't stand pork meat. It's against their religion to partake of it. And my dad, being a good man, he said, I tell you what, why don't you let me have those pork steaks, and I'll give you some feed these crawfish really like see uh, they can't stand it they can't stand a Jew had nothing to do with a pig now an animal they could not stand and could not tolerate they were more upset that those animals that they would never have anything to do with were dead and a man was in his right mind. You know, one of the greatest tragedies that we face in our nation is that we no longer value human life. Just this week, once again, someone was gunned down the streets of our city delivering a pizza. A man going to deliver a pizza was shot by a teenager. Why? For the money that a pizza man has? Really? Nobody has cash anymore. For his tip money. Why would they do such a thing? They don't understand value. We don't understand value. We don't understand value of who we are. We don't understand value that everyone is a royal diadem, that we are a royal creation, that we have a royal pattern to our life, and that we have a royal soul print. And so therefore, why are we upset when people gun down people in the streets, but we're not upset when we pull babies out of the womb? limb by limb and abort them. That doesn't upset us. It doesn't upset politicians. Can I go a little bit further? It don't even upset people in the church. When a pig becomes more valuable than a man, when your comfort becomes more valuable than human life, when it's more, it's about me being happy and walking off and leaving my family and leaving my, my children and walking off because I'm in, I'm in pursuit of happiness. When a Jew finds more value in a pig than in a man, you know the dichotomy is messed up. When the church finds more value in building their own kingdom than they do impacting their city, I don't care how many you gather. I want to know, is, is my city different? The place that I write my zip code, when I write down my zip code, 71303 or 71301 or 71302 or 71467, when I write down my zip code, is my zip code better because I live there and I am willing to pay the price to add value there or am I just a taker? Oh, mercy. I don't even like preaching this. 
First question I'd like to ask you today, if you'll get your phone out. Would you be willing to add a personal price to your neighborhood? Take a few moments. Yes or no. Would you be willing to pay a personal price to add value to your neighborhood? Yes, I would personally sacrifice. Or no, I'm like the person in the real estate story at the beginning of my sermon oh well now look i mean if the, the city council is not going to do something about it, you want me to do something you want me to make a personal investment would i make a personal investment would i do that an overwhelming answer would be yes until we pass the collection i mean this guy in the beginning of my story said I'm willing to do something enough that I called a special meeting. I had a meeting. I gathered the truth. But wait a minute. You mean you want me to sign my, you want me to write you a check? You want me to write you a check? You want me to make a difference? What price would we be willing to pay? Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord today that an overwhelming 100% of us, if we really feel this way, then what are we going to do about it? You know, I encourage you, as we've been going through this book called Staying is the New Going, not to run out and do something just right away and do it halfway because you've got to really process this. You've got to really figure it out. You've got to really pray about how do I put my feet to the, to the asphalt on this? How do I love my neighbor? You know what? Maybe before we can love our neighbor, we need to love ourselves. And to love yourself, you've got to be willing to grab a hold of God's plan for your life before you can start sharing his plan for others' lives. I think that's one thing that was so sobering last night, last Sunday when we asked the question, do, do, do you know, do you know the purpose for your life, the reason that God created you? And so many said, I do not know. How can we give what we don't have? The second thing I want you to write down today is, not only we know there's an issue when a Jew values a pig more than a man, but when a man who is broken has been made whole, you know that Jesus is in the house. Look at this in verse 15. Here's what it says here very clearly. He lays it out, and it says, And they came to Jesus, and they looked, and they saw the man who had been demon-possessed by over 10,000 demons, sitting there he was no longer naked he was dressed and you know what he was in his right mind and they were afraid would you circle that in your bible would you highlight that on your smart device they were afraid you know why i believe we're unwilling to make an investment because we're afraid we're afraid we're afraid What a tremendous pastor, sermon Pastor Lance preached last night. That people are desiring people to look at them eyeball to eyeball. We have raised up a generation of people now who no longer make eye contact because the majority of their communication is nonverbal. <clears throat> it's through some social media or some other network or some other format of communication. And then when we do communicate with people, we don't even look at them anymore. When what people are really... You know why people don't want to have face-to-face -face interaction? 
It's because they're afraid to look at somebody else eyeball to eyeball. Because they're afraid if he looks into my eyes, they may see something I'm trying to hide. I tell our staff all the time, did you, call, did you talk to them? Yes. Was it face-to-face? Did you have face-to-face com- contact? Did you look at them in the eye? Did you shake their hand? Did you hug their neck? Or did you do a virtual hug? Was it a virtual high five? You can't tell anything about somebody virtually. And when they came out there and they saw this man, do you realize that they were more afraid of him being clothed and in his right mind than they were of him running around the graveyard naked? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? No, let me rephrase that. Are you picking up what Jesus was putting down? Because he says they were more afraid. They weren't afraid before. He just cramped their lifestyle. So they banished him to the cemetery. But in this passage of Scripture, it says that when he was dressed, when he was in his right mind, they were afraid. Are you afraid of what might happen when Jesus passes by? Are you afraid that he might put his thumb in your back and say, I don't want you to be shacking up anymore? Are you afraid that he's going to pass by and put his thumb on on your pet sin? And so therefore you would just rather say, oh, pastor, let me just play it safe. Can I just love Jesus from a distance? Can't I just love him from across the cemetery? Can I tell you something? Get this picture. Get this picture. Let me paint it for you. The feet of Jesus touch the real estate on the edge of the cemetery. There's a man who is so broken that he's banished to the cemetery and he's running around naked. But the demons that were in him were so drawn by the power of the Messiah, of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that those demonic spirits drove that man to Jesus and those demonic spirits fell down on their knees and this man said the demonic spirit said please don't send us out of this region please let us stay here even the demons came and submitted to the holy one are you willing to do are, are you willing to do that am I willing to do that am I willing to do that Am I willing to pay that price? Or am I just one of those people, I'm preaching to me right now. Because it's hard. It's just easier for me to say, that preacher's nuts. That's just his little pet project to love on kids and try to save the hood. I'm not trying to save the hood. I'm trying to shape people into being what God designed them to be. If we can, oh my goodness, if people can grab the royal blueprint for their life, then they'll change their neighborhood. And can I tell you that every one of you live in the hood? You call it the neighborhood. Just a point I'm making. I'm just saying. Well, let me give you your last question here. Last point. Not only do you know you're messed up when a... It's kind of like you might be a redneck sermon here. (laughs) 
Now do you know you are messed up when a Jew values a pig more than human life and when a man who was broken has been made whole scares you to death because their broken life has been turned right side up. But you know you're messed up when we ask our answer to leave. Look at this and I'll be done. Verse 16 and 17. The eyewitnesses described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man. And they told him about the pigs. And then they began to entreat Jesus. They began to beg Jesus, will you please leave our region? Now get this and we'll take this thing home. The demon said, please don't let me leave this region. And the people of the region said to the Messiah, let us keep our demons. But Mr. Messiah, we don't want to have anything to do with you. Would you please leave our region? Can I tell you the problem in our nation is not that we've asked Jesus to leave the schoolhouse. It's that we've asked him to leave the church house. Yeah. Because we have set up an idol to ourselves. Our kingdom come. Our will be done. In our city. As it is in our mind. Give us this day our daily bread that we need to advance our kingdom. We have greater churches right now than ever before. I'm not impressed with how big your church is. I'm impressed with how big is your impact. I don't want, to, I don't want you to bring me. I, I, I don't want. I, I mean, lives are being changed. And I'm not talking about lives aren't changed just because you're attending church. We've got people that attend church every week and won't forsake the idol of their own pet sin. That's not transformation. Transformation, it says, that I am willing to live for the one who died for all, that I might exalt the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm telling you, this is lordship. Let me read you this scripture and we'll land this plane. I want you to, I want you to grasp what they ask in this moment. The Bible says this in the book of Luke, chapter 4. I just want, don't turn here, I just want you to listen. Okay, you ready? This is about the birth of Jesus. This is when Jesus was about his birth. Right after this, he started his ministry, and he went to his hometown. The Bible says he came to Nazareth. And here's what he said. As he entered the city, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. You know, there's not a lot of competition preaching to the poor. We work with FCA. We don't have any problem getting into the huddles at the inner city schools. Go to the one where children's parents have money and you've got to get in line to go there and do something. I'm just saying, if the shoe fits, wear it. 
But here's what he says. He anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind and to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I'm telling you today that the Spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus to go and set the captives free that the blind may see, the lame may walk, the leper may be cleansed. I'm telling you, the King of Kings, God himself was in their presence and they looked at him and said, take our problems, but leave our pigs. Take our problems, but leave our demons. Jesus, we're more scared. There's a greater fear in our life about the transformation of demoniacs being clothed and in their right mind than there is men running around the graveyard naked. Are you asking the answer into your life today? Or are you asking him to leave? Oh, preacher, I would never ask Jesus to leave. Well, if you're not obeying what he's saying, then you really are. Are you willing to pay a price? I realize this kind of preaching is not going to grow a great church. It's not going to fill this thing to overflowing seating capacity. But I tell you what it will do. If 100% of you answered that question right, it'll make a difference on your street. And you will fill your living room to the capacity. Changing the lives of those around you. That's what this thing's all about. Lord, your kingdom. Your will be done on earth, on my street, the way you're doing it in heaven. Lord, give me my daily bread. And I may trust you in the all-sufficient, sovereign Savior. The ground began to shake. The earth began to because all of hell was rendered defeated. Now forever he is glorified. The question is, are you the one, am I the one doing the glorifying? Jesus said no greater love is this than a man lay down his life and die for a friend. He paid the ultimate price. Are you, are you willing to pay a price? Are you? It's not, I'm, I'm, I struggle with the price. Don't think I'm sitting here preaching this to you thinking I got this all figured out. I struggle with it the same way you do. Because it costs us something. Sometimes it, sometimes it costs us something we're not willing to pay. And you know what's more sacred, it has greater value to you than your money? Your time. You want me to invest, God, you want me to invest my time? I don't know what God is speaking to your life today. But my question for you is this. Are you willing to pay the price? Or, or do you have greater, or, you, or do you have, are you more afraid of what the answer may look like if you say yes to God? Your head back. In Jesus' name. Lord, help us not to be fearful of the answer 
but help us to trust and obey you. In Jesus' name.